The VHS Files presents The Horror Section. This podcast contains spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. And now, your hosts, Josh and Jason. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to VHS Files Presents the Horror Section. Where we talk all things scary and spooky and whatever else that we want to talk about that most people don't even care about. That's but right. We're gonna, there are a few people who care about these movies and love these movies, so we're going to talk about them for them. That proves true because um, we released our New Year Dark episode last week, and without any promotion, without any putting it out there, we have, I think, around 19 listens so far for something that we haven't promoted. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> well, thank you guys who actually wanted to sit around and listen to me and Josh talk about horror movies. Yes. We love you. Thank you. And and like we say and everything, please share us, like us, give us a review. Um, and if you have any movies that you would like to suggest for us to talk about, please let us know and we will talk about them. Yeah, we'd like to even get movies, maybe that uh, some movies out there that me and Josh haven't seen. And we've seen quite a bit of these horror movies. So. We've seen quite a bit, but tonight we're talking about a movie that I am not super versed in. And Jason has been watching it since he was a little wee wee boy. Tonight we are watching Phantasm or talking about Phantasm. We already watched it, but I have only seen this once. Um, well, with this twice. So I've seen it once before this and for the watch for this is the second time I watched it. So I just want to talk a little bit about you growing up with it, Jason. Um, do you remember, like, I, I don't know, I don't expect you to remember your first watch, but <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you've got memories and you've actually spoke a little bit about Phantasm on the big show. So tell us a little bit about your, your uh, background with Phantasm. Well, Phantasm definitely holds a somewhat terrifying memories for me as a kid uh as i said many times before started with friday 13th middle of halloween but this is one i found later i mean and it did come out i believe back in 1979 Mm -hmm. so i was only two at that time so i caught it later getting up to around the pre-teen era you know like between 10 and 13 or something like that right but i will honestly have to say even as you know seeing halloween those movies were scary this movie terrified me as a kid. I was scared because there's some real life events that happened to me mm-hmm. that only phantasm. It, 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 that's the first thing that popped in my mind. Right. And I even still, I'm sitting there talking about it right now and I'm getting like <laughs> goosebumps remembering the going back and reliving these memories right now of these scary moments that I had. Uh, because I mean, the whole movie takes place with a funeral home and a cemetery. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much our whole setting for the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, at one point in time, uh, we lived directly in front of the city cemetery. Right. I mean, like house, mm-hmm. yard, fence, cemetery. <laughs> so you looked the back door, you saw headstones. Right. So that's how close we were. And then later we lived right next door to a funeral home, like literally tree line funeral home. Mm-hmm. I used to watch them pull up and move bodies out of the back and take them into the back to do their thing. Oh, so you were, you were like Mike in this. Yes, <laughs> and that's why I say that this movie, when we were t- trying to figure out movies to watch, and I mean, me and Josh have been friends for a really long time, 
and I know he's heard me talk about this movie because we always talked about the movies we love this kids. But I was like, I love this movie, but it also scared me. And just a quick memory of one of the things that scared me the most. I mean, if you've seen this movie, you know, you had the tall man and you had that hearse and you always had the cemetery. There was an instance. Well, I grew up in a small town, so you would never wear on a skateboard or a bicycle, mm-hmm. you know, and we had seen later was Mike, the main character driving around in a motorcycle, but all I had was a bike. Well, in order to get from a friend's house that was on the opposite side of town, the fastest way was to cut across the cemetery to my house. Right. Okay. The sun's going down. It's getting dark. I think it's fall time like it is now. So it gets dark really quick, six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone through this. And I always thought about Phantasm. But this one instance, I think they had had a funeral that day. <laughs> And I'm coming through the cemetery and the sun is down. You know, it's it's like I gotta get home because you know that's the whole thing. Parents, you know, be home before the street lights come on. Yeah, if you're if you're you not know? home by the time it's dark, I'm gonna give you a whooping. Exactly. You knew you're gonna get a whooping, your mom's gonna beat you with a flip flop, something, you know, it's gonna it's going down. So you're I'm trying to get home and I'm coming across and it's not just a quick I mean, it's the full diagonal width of the cemetery to get to the the gate yeah. going into my house. And I'm coming across there, and out of that peripheral, headlights kicked on. And it's the hearse (laughs) from the funeral that they did that day. Immediate, Oh, dude, like I'm talking about, dude, I got chicken skin right now. I mean, I can remember this moment, (laughs) and it was pure terror i was i I mean you're still pedaling but you don't i'm not paying attention and i'm i mean i wasn't doing like mike i i had respect i'm not going to cut across people's graves right (laughs) but i'm just coming i mean they had little streets through the cemetery and all of a sudden it was pedals fashion and i look and the hearse is coming around and to the street that i'm pedaling on and he's moving And all I think is the tall man is coming to throw me in the back of the hearse and turn me to a little dwarf that looks like it's straight out of Star Wars Jawas. And they're pissed off Jawas. But that's all I had. And I pedaled as hard as I could to the point to where, like, I'm missing pedals as fast as I could go. (laughs) Literally through the gate into the backyard and i know you've done this and i know some of the listeners had you know when you had to get in the house be it a bathroom thing or you're scared or you know you're about to get your ass whooped because you're home late it was literally bike to the ground and a steady run right into the back door like just as fluid as you could be it's like into the house and remember shutting the door and i'm sitting there shaking and my mom's like what is the problem and i'm like the tall man's coming (laughs) and she was like you need to stop watching so many scary movies, but she knew what I was talking about. And we look out the window and you see the hearse and it's, it was a regular, it's not like the big scary hearse. It's just like a Lincoln hearse that they had back then pull out. I'm like, I know that it was a regular hearse. I've seen it, but after seeing these movies so many times, that's what you first thing. And that's what horror movies are supposed to do. Yeah. That's where that's exactly where your mind goes. Yeah, and still to this day, like I said, we're talking about it right now, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> but and then like I said, then later, uh, it was a few years later. We moved. We're all still on the same street. We just moved to a different house, and we were right next to the local funeral home, and we had a backyard with these little trails in it, and the trail went to the back, and it you could see right there where they would pull the hearse around and pull the bodies out and prep them for funerals. 
and the whole entire time is I'm just waiting for the tall man to come out and, you know, pick up the whole casket and just throw it in there and these little <laughs> dwarf things to be running around. That's all I could ever think because at that point in time, you see things like that. That's all I saw that had to do with hearses at the time besides, you know, Ecto-1 and Ghostbusters, but was it the hearse from this movie? Yeah. It was just terrifying. And it's still, I mean, I'm, I'm in my 40s today and it's still terrifying. <laughs> so... But that's my thing. I know it's a little long-winded, but I had to tell the story because I've, I've told the story many times. Josh has heard it and other friends of mine that are in the horror movies. But, yeah, this movie, I would have to say, is one of the first horror movies that actually scared me to the point to where in real life it was it got to me. Not just at home, in bed, you think the boogeyman in the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost day dark, you know, daylight going into dark, and you're having the moment, like, from the movie. Yeah. Of being chased by a hearse. I mean, it's not really chasing you, but you think you're being chased. Right. That's my experience with Phantasm. Not just a movie, but being actually terrified in real life. <laughs> so. Well, let's get into it. Uh, Phantasm was released March 28th, 1979. Uh, directed by Don Coscarelli. I hope we're saying that right. Uh, he was coming off of a couple of movies, Jim the World's Greatest, and a movie called Kenny and Company. He would go on to do Beastmaster. Another love one that Jason's movie, favorite. dude. Uh, Man, he, I love. We're we're gonna talk Beastmaster. He did uh, <laughs> Bubba Hotep, and the more re- <laughs> more recent John dies at the end, along with all the other Phantasm sequels, which you don't really see that nowadays. You know, the director yeah. sticking with the. I think with, he did one through four, and he co-director co-produced the yeah. fifth one. He's been with it for most of his yeah, career, the whole run. So. Yeah, the whole run. And uh, this was a independent film. Very much so like Halloween. It had a budget of about $300,000 and ended up doing a box office of about $12 million. So it definitely succeeded. Great turn. That's, it wasn't Halloween numbers in the hundreds of millions, but right. $12 million out of 300000 Yeah, I'm great. I'm good. Let's make another one. So around this time, 1979, uh, it would have been released amongst the likes of The Warriors, Buck Rogers, Tourist oh. Trap, which is another pretty creepy horror movie yeah and the china syndrome so we're just gonna get right into it this movie throws you right in the shit (laughs) Uh, i mean it's we're just following a dude in a grave you know dude and his chick and walking through a graveyard pretty you know classy place to to get laid uh and all of a sudden this lady starts taking her top off and becomes an old creepy dude <laughs> That's such a turn off at that moment. It's the whole, you know, you know, Roseanne Barr thing. You know, everything just kind of goes. Yeah. <laughs> but at this time, he's already been stabbed. Right. So, so that was that was jarring enough for me just watching this, you know, a couple of times. It's like, whoa, I, I didn't even remember that happening from the first time I watched it. So, yeah, because we, uh, we get to see the death of Tommy, which is a family friend of our cast we're going to meet here in a minute I, I don't know if he was actually like part of the family or just a good friend yeah i think I, it was just a good friend of theirs yeah but what a way to go out i mean you, you're making out with a hot blonde and i mean you die but the problem is is you're stabbed and you're slowly dying and then you look up and it's this ugly creepy old man over the top of you which i mean that really <laughs> kind of puts tall man in another whole category of his own because he's seducing guys and you don't see him go after women in this so it's like what what is this guy's deal <laughs> hmm. but he's a good friend of our our main characters from the movie mike and jody 
Uh, Mike is younger. Jody is the older brother, and he's taking care of Mike because his parents died, and it was it a car accident. I think so. I yeah. think yeah. I think it was they died in a car accident because we we meet yeah like you said Mike Jody we meet Reggie too. Yep, the ice cream guy. This, yeah, ice cream guy with the ponytail. Yeah, he's great, dude. After you know they're out there talking because they didn't want to bring Mike to it because it was. St- I guess it was still too soon after his parents had died yeah. and they didn't want to bring you in there. And that's when we later, you know, this, the Jody and Reggie talking, and then we see Mike riding his dirt bike through there, but you know, they walk into that mausoleum. Yeah. That's they're having the, f- dude, that I mausoleum. Mean, I mean, even for nowadays, creepy. I mean that it looks awesome. It's a great <laughs> setting. And I found out that all that wasn't, was not stone. It was just plywood, a built set that they draped, or are covered with like a sticky back covering, yeah. but it looks, I mean, it looks like it could be a marble mausoleum. I mean, I, it's a really cool, yeah. really cool yeah, set. Th- just the whole thing. And I think what it was is uh, the director Coscarelli said, that's all modeled after a dream he had. Yeah. Like the white uh, walls with the red curtains. And even this, even the, the sphere, um, the sphere. Yeah. That all came to him like in a dream. And, and that's why he like, pretty much begged everybody for money to get this movie made yeah so and he did he ended up doing all the work pretty much himself right. editing writing co-producing he even did the camera work but it does have uh, it's kind of a weird camera movement throughout all yeah. of this because you're following mike or not mike uh, jody through this this mausoleum and he's just kind of wandering around and i'm assuming we're supposed to know that he's there for the funeral for for tommy yeah. Uh, but he's just wandering around like this place is a maze. And then we get our first little peek at Angus, the who plays the tall man. And it's mm-hmm. just our first, I mean, you you saw his face in the graveyard. Now you see him here. And I got a little clip of what he says to Mike or to Jody. Dude, still creepy to this day. Ooh. The funeral is about to begin, sir. Sir. <laughs> sir. That, that raspy... Boy, and I mean, even the clip doesn't do it justice because if you're listening to it, you have on to TV, see his face because his, the, oh. yeah, like one of his eyes is all squinty and it's like, <laughs> and he's got a little more bass in his voice if you listen to it on, you know, like your surround sound or yeah. something. And it's like, but when that happens, that's almost like a 1979 jump scare, yeah, because Jody is sitting there looking at the, you know, the, the I guess the little memorials for everybody. I think maybe he was looking for his parents, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe he was going because, you know, uh, they're about to have a funeral for Tommy. Yeah. So he's not in there. Right. Almost wondering if he was walking around going to pay respects to his parents. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why he was walking through there. But, I mean, he's concentrating. Then we get that boom, you know, the hand on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then, like what we just said, he said, the funeral is about to begin. Right. Like, oh, okay. I'm a child. I now don't want a creepy old man to ever touch me on the shoulder <laughs> ever in a funeral home. But you brought, I mean, we brought up Mikey and, um, he's out in the, in the cemetery, just kind of sneaking around. And Mikey is a, a little freaking sneaker sneaker. <laughs> yeah. He, this whole movie, he dude. just follows people or like, he is like studying to be a serial killer or some shit. He is just following people this whole time being sneaky. Uh, he should, he wants to be a, maybe he wants to be a ninja. Yeah. Maybe a you ninja. Know. Well, I don't know if he, what? he doesn't have skills because he wasn't able to, <laughs> The, the the Jawa the Jawa dwarf people seem to have more Jedi skills than, than he Dude, does. But, uh, but I love that you just catch these little glimpses of things moving behind the uh, the headstones and whatnot. And yeah. I also want to 
we kind of t- talked before we started recording a little bit uh, about the score for this. It's it's good. It's creepy. It's moody. It sets the tone for the movie, but it's definitely pulling some influence from a few different places. Uh, it definitely has a heavy, heavy like Exorcist feel with a little bit of Carpenter. I mean, it did come out a year after Halloween, yeah. and I mean, you could hear a little bit of the synthesizer in it, but it does have. A, I mean. That I don't know. Do you agree that it has it has more of that exorcist piano? Feel well, even if you even if you wouldn't have said anything to me about what I what you thought it sounded yeah. like, I would have said exorcist all day. Yeah, that's um, a definite. It doesn't. You know, the thing that stands out about Halloween is it has that weird five four time signature. So, it mm-hmm. even though it's a synthesizer, it it has its own thing that hasn't really been replicated in my opinion. No. Uh, but this one, uh, you can see that whoever did the score for this was pulling, you know, a little bit of uh reference from that. And synthesizers probably were becoming a thing to use. And it's, again, it's cheap. You don't have to worry about hiring an oh, or- yeah. orchestra to do a score or anything like that. So yeah, I think I, the, the music was done by Fred Myron, mm-hmm. Myron, but he did Soylent Green too. See, I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. I mean, what? Maybe- you haven't seen the movie? <laughs> Uh, what is Soylent Green, Josh? <laughs> well, here's the thing about some. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. Here's the thing about some of the older movies that I haven't seen is I've seen and heard so much about them mm-hmm. at this point that it's hard for me to watch them without without knowing. I mean, like I, I know what happens in a lot of like I know oh, yeah. Soylent Green are, is people, so it kind of mm-hmm. ruins the perspective of watching the movie. It's like it's why well, I've never gone back and watched the original Planet of the Apes. I, to this day, have never seen... <laughs> yeah. What? You haven't seen the movie? I have not seen the original Planet of the Apes, but it's because I know I know what happens. Yeah. If I had never seen it and no one had... It wasn't so so big in pop culture that the ending was has been ruined for almost 40 years now. Like, oh, yeah. I probably would have been a lot more apt to watch it, but, but when you find out how something is you tend to have a different opinion or you just avoid yeah. it altogether because you know what happens. So that's kind of the same thing with Soylent Green for me is I, I know, I know what the ending of that movie is. So, you know, the twist it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, at least we know that he went on to do other things other than this. So yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's creepy. I love the music. I mean, I have it notated in a few times. So it's just like the, the, the music kicks in at a perfect timing with that creepy. Ding, yeah. Ding. It, it definitely helps set the vibe for this movie. It keeps it creepy, and uh, it, it kind of fills in a little bit where some maybe not so not so great scenes are. So the score helps drive it a little bit. <laughs> but well, we're, like you said, we go through the when Mike's sneaking around. He's got his binoculars, and we get the first hint that there's something off about the tall man. Yeah, he sees. They don't call him the tall man, but that's what he basically is. That's, that's always well, referred to as. They the do. Tall re- man. They refer to him as the tall guy or the tall man yeah. or something later in the movie, yeah. but that's just kind of the name that stuck with that character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he sees that guy moving around and fucking lifts a whole casket, a whole casket <laughs> by himself, puts it in the back of a car, and that's enough for ten year old or thirteen year old or however old Mike is to go. That's not right. How the hell is that yeah. guy doing that? Yeah, he just watched uh, Jody and all them be the pallbearers, and there was what three or four guys on each side. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, well, later he brings that up to Mike, brings it to Jody, and he says, "Dude, that casket had to weigh every bit of five hundred pounds." Yeah, that's what I was about to say. He and, says it later. 
Yeah, tall man just like picks it up like he's you know taking groceries or a laundry basket, you know, and just throws it in the back of the hearse. Right, like oh something's a little off right here. But I I definitely see how this movie can stick with you when you've seen it back back as a child because this movie does what a lot of horror movies did back then, and it throws you into the into the spot of a child. You're following, you know, this young kid this whole movie, so you're easily able to put yourself in his shoes. And oh, yeah. and that's why, you know, that whole story you told at the beginning of the podcast probably sticks with you is because you're probably right around the same age he was. Yeah. And pretty close experience and all that stuff. Uh, that's why I think, even though I did enjoy this, this time much more than the first time I watched it, the first time I watched it, I was just sort of like, meh, but that's because I didn't see it as a kid. Uh, yeah. Watching it now, I definitely see the merit in this movie. It has its problems, like most movies do, uh, yeah. but this is definitely a, a creepy ass movie, and I and I think it, it it's a good example of one of those movies that's got. You're watching it from the kids' perspective, so it's easy to kind of get creeped out with what's going yeah. on in it. Especially like you said, when you, I was close to that age, you know, you're like, I'm I'm living Mike right now. I'm riding through the cemetery, and there's a hearse, yeah. and that's all you picture is the scenes later in this movie where the hearse is chasing him. So I, I want to bring up a scene that comes along here around this time where we're at. And this is when, um, what's the ice cream guy's name? Reggie. Reggie. Reggie pulls up. Mike's jamming on guitar on the front porch. And Reggie just walks up with an acoustic and they start having a front porch jam. <laughs> and you and I are both musicians. We've played music and multiple bands together and other mm -hmm. bands. And we, we've been playing music for a long time. So one of the things yeah. that irks us about movies where you have a musical performance is it's pretty easy to point out when people aren't playing their, their instruments. And mm -hmm. we even just discussed this on back to the futures episode about how that's definitely not Michael J Fox singing Johnny B good. Yeah. But this scene surprised me because at first, when you walk up, Jody seems like he's just noodling, and it does, and it's going to be one of those where they just overdub some stuff of this guy playing guitar. Yeah. But then it's like we we want you to think this guy's hip and cool because I think that's what they're trying to think is that he's a traveling, like he's a musician, like because they talk he's back in town, but he doesn't want to be yeah, there, right? Like this is what he maybe does as a profession. He's a musician, right? Reggie comes up with his acoustic, and then they start having a jam, and Reggie is is wailing on that acoustic man, like he's actually playing that thing, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it definitely looks real to me. Yeah. I mean, if they did overdubs <laughs> on that, it was precise and excellent. So I, I but I'm, I, it convinced me. I was like, well, maybe they really did have a nice little jam right there because convincingly enough, Reggie looks like he's playing that. Yeah. So I thought Even that was pretty cool. Now, this is the other thing I want to say about Jody is he's kind of in a rough position because the parents are gone. He's got a younger brother and he even says it to, I think, Reggie that, you know, he's not, you know, he doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't really want to be stuck here taking care of Jody yeah. or Mike. I get their two names mixed up so bad. <laughs> Jody doesn't want to take care of Mike. <laughs> My, Mike looks like a Jody and Jody looks like a Mike. So I keep getting them confused. <laughs> you would think the, the younger, uh, the, the little brother would be the Jody. Right. And the older brother would be the big, strong Mike. But, but the one thing we did, we passed by this, because I want to bring this up to Mike my my car people because the car actually i don't know if it's the same as that car but it carries on through the sequels that freaking barracuda 440 
I was, I was going to let little, you get to this because you're yeah. you're definitely the car guy. I know nothing yeah, about cars. That freaking car is so sweet. The first time you hear it coming down the road, and, you, and it was funny. You're like, man, Jody's got this freaking badass muscle car. It sounds great. But when they pull up, Mike's driving. Yeah. And then he hops out, and he's like, dude, I think I need to adjust the header a little bit. And you're like, this little boy has got some skills. He's trying to tell his big brother, the car's off a little bit. You know, let me hop under the, you know, and he does. He hops under there and he starts working on the car. Later, he's working on the car again. His brother's car. Yeah. Trying to get it going. But dude, I, that car is so sweet. I was surprised at how many times he was driving the car or uh, Jody threw the keys to him to drive it off somewhere. And, you know, he's working on it throughout the movie. I mean, it definitely does a lot to set you up for I mean, Mike is not a stupid kid. Yeah. Which also makes me believe the. The twist we find at the end of the movie, it, it kind of makes some sense. Eh, you could yeah. you could make an argument there. Yeah, I, I, I get I, that. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people seen this movie, and it took me a few times to realize how the the, the way the movie ended yeah. as a kid. Cause I didn't pay attention. I was just too busy being scared. But as an adult, you're like, oh, okay, this might make a little sense now. So, <laughs> but that car is, I mean, shoot, that's a, I mean, like at an auction, a car in that condition nowadays, shoot, that's like a hundred thousand dollar car. Yeah. I mean, it is beautiful. I mean, a, a big four forty and a Barracuda, oh, I'd kill for that car. <laughs> I'm a car guy. I'm a Mustang guy, but I love my Mopar too. And I, I drool over that car every time I hear it and see it on the screen. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But moving on, I'm going to clean myself up now. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of the car, you got, uh, Jody going to the bar to have oh, a, yeah. have a few drinks, and he uh, and Mike's following him again. Mike, I got it in my notes here. Mike is a creepy creeper. <laughs> just <laughs> he follows that dude everywhere. So you can really see that this kid just needs something to do. Uh, but he picks up the same girl that we saw in the beginning, and I even wrote in my notes. I was like, "Is this the same girl?" Because I was kind of half paying attention a little bit at that point, yeah. mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I mean, he picks up the same girl. She takes him to the same place. And, uh, you know, it it, it, it builds some tension because you know this this girl's bad news. And you, oh, yeah. you we don't want our, you know, our, our, our guy we're following through this movie to be, you know, effed up. But Mike creeping on him is ultimately what keeps him from being killed in the, in the, in the <laughs> beginning anyway. But he's hiding in the bushes, watching his brother about to get lucky on a on a grave, and he's oh, the, the the Jawa dwarves. And that, is that's that where is that where you see the yeah, Jawas come what, in? Yeah, I mean, I know they're not Jawas, but and this well, is they damn sure look like episode. Jawas. They look like Jawas, and then they have that voice and it. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I know they just refer to them as dwarves or whatever. But yeah, there he keeps because it's in the shadows in the bushes. Which you know, uh, as a young kid, Mike got a good show. I mean, he let's see a nice you know set of boobs there yeah yeah you see in the shadows there of he keeps hearing a noise and all of a sudden it starts moving toward him and then mike bolts out of the bushes like yeah. and what's funny not just running away he runs right past his brother mid yeah he screams and well yeah. I, <laughs> yeah it's it's very comedic the way it's played and i yeah i don't know if they were mid mid coitus i mean that was pretty fast if it was yeah. but well, i mean they've got well, their as, clothes off and yeah, he, i mean as 
as Jenny would say, that's how it happens in the horror movies. Anyway, the girl never gets what she wants. So, I mean, that might've been over and done, but I mean, she, she had, the girl had his pants down. So you figured they were at least, well, he's, there. but he runs off with her panties in his mouth and he doesn't really seem to be very concerned at all about leaving a naked woman on a grave in a, in the middle yeah. of a graveyard. Oh, that's my brother. I got to go find out what's going on and just leaves her there. Like if, if that girl wasn't actually the tall man, I would have left too because I would have been like, this dude just left me here in a graveyard. Fuck this guy. And he took my underwear. What a jerk. <laughs> I was like, those were my good underwear. That's my bar underwear, man. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, I mean, that is, I mean, just that, that screaming flyby. I mean, I laugh every time I see that part. Most people are scared because Mike's scared, but it's funny because there's a couple of moments that him and his brother have where you think it's scary, but they have these little funny little yeah. moments for just a second. And you're like, Oh, they throw a little bit of humor in there. Of course, Jody doesn't believe anything as Mike's saying. He's just, it's a kid with kids. Imaginations running wild and they, they leave. But then we get home. Yeah. And this is a scene that uh, you were talking about earlier before we started, uh, of Mike laying in bed, you know, he's all safe. And yeah. Sound. This is, this is the point of the movie where I was like, okay, this movie's got my attention. Because there, there's this scene where Mike is dreaming. He's dreaming of all kinds of stuff, but he's in this graveyard. I'm going to get to the clip here, and we're going to play this and kind of comment on it. Oh, I'm home safe, just lying in my bed. Yeah. Dr- dreaming of the boobs I just saw. And <laughs> the way the shadow and the pillow is, it almost looks like he's got his, his arms behind his head. Yeah. <laughs> But he's, you know, they're they're not on his they're they're on his head, but not that one. You know, he's thinking of boobs <laughs> right now, bro. Well, he's not going to be in a minute. Nope. So when this when this right here, it cuts to another shot of him, and you pan up, and it's got the tall man standing right above his head his uh, headboard. Mm. Yeah. The, like, like I said, man, I didn't see it, this movie when I was a kid. And if I would have, that would have freaked me the fuck out. But even as an adult, I was like, that's fucking freaky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he's, I mean, the way that the, the camera work was, was great because it's in the bedroom and then it turns and you think they're just at the foot, foot of the bed looking up because he remember he had that dark shadow behind the pillow. Yeah. And then it, and all of a sudden, then it's the wide shot comes out and there's a tall man. It looks like his hands are on the a headstone mm-hmm. standing over the top of Mike. And then, like you said, the, the, the zombies or the, the creatures jump out and we're like trying to rip him apart on the bed. Yeah. That's uh that's a pretty scary thing when yeah. you're a kid watching that. I mean, I know you saw it as a uh, later, but I mean, when I was a kid, yeah, that was another like kind of early days jump scare. Cause you just think that if something's going to happen all of a sudden, well, I think that moment's <laughs> actually on like top scariest moments of all time that, have, that some people have done or whatnot. And even for not seeing this movie as a kid, but having a love for horror movies and watching it later in life, I think that deserves to be on there. No doubt. Cause that is a fucking, that is a good looking scene, especially for a movie that was made as cheaply as this was. No. Well, then after that, we have the dream of the tall man. Then uh, was it the next day? Uh, I guess Mike's in town following his brother yeah. again because oh, yeah. his, his brother goes back to check to see what happened to the uh, girl at the bar. Because mm-hmm. we see the car right there at the end of that clip, the car's pulling up at the bar. But Mike's walking through town, and here comes the tall man, slow motion, walking up the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Daylight in town with the, the cars going by. And you, Is it the dream sequence or not? We don't know, but... I mean, it's like regular every day, and then 
I just thought it was weird as the tall man stops and he kind of looks at Mike, but he's not looking at Mike, but Reggie's there, the ice cream man standing in front of him. Yeah. And you see the tall man like breathing in, like, like there's something that has attention. You kind of see him look at Reggie. Yeah. And you like, there's something, I mean, we already know there's something off about the tall man. I mean, he could pick up a casket, like a rag doll. So we're like, is Reggie like his next target is what you start to think. Because he's like breathing in his essence of like, Oh, you smell good. Or is that just Sherbert? I'm smelling. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, that scene was the amount of dry ice and smoke that yeah. comes out of the back of that <laughs> ice cream truck. Like I was just, I was, that was one of those things where maybe as a kid, you saw it differently, but I saw that and I was like, Oh my God, that was a bit of overkill. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of cold ice cream right there. It was a warm day, but no, it's not that warm. Everybody's wearing jackets, but so. that's what tall man was doing is he was just breathing in the chocolate fudge. He wanted That's to get him some is. of that, that, that uh, ice cream cone. He wants some of the tutti frutti. <laughs> <laughs> he wants some tutti frutti. But uh, yeah, and then after that, we get uh, back to Mike working on the Cuda again. Yeah, uh, he's in the garage. Now, is this when he he's under the he's under the car? He's, he's under the, the car. Car starts shaking. Yeah, it's like you see something going on because Mike's under the car. He hears noises, and then we see feet run yeah. by, and it looks like the feet of the dwarf again. Yeah. And he's under the car, and the car starts shaking a little bit. And he stays under the car like a fucking moron. Yeah, this is what's crazy. All right, I worked on cars with my grandpa and uh, my stepdad as a kid. And the first thing, I I mean, because they're doing old school jacks here, the old fender jacks where you shove them up under the the bumper, and it's, oh, kick, 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 and it just rips up the back of the car, which are not safe because they tip easily. Right. And there's no jack stands under the car to keep it from falling. But the first thing this kid does is the car starts shaking and he gets himself in a little ball almost or a straight line under the car. And I'm like, no, you get out from under the fucking car. First time a car shakes, dude, you get out from under it. <laughs> yeah. I'm and, like, then, Come on. and then whatever is in the garage fucking drops the car. Yeah. The whole car. Boom. And he's and now, and, I, which is the, definitely trickery because it would have flattened him. Yeah, because that's what I'm where I'm call I'm calling BS on this because Kuda sit low to the ground. Yeah. And he's turned sideways. He just got squished. But here he is under the car. Looks like he's squished. And he grabs a hammer because he hears things. And then a foot. And we get whack. Right on with the, the toe. hammer. Yeah. And there's your other comedy moment. It was like so like three stooges. Yeah. Of the whack and then the look of the brother's face going, ah, <laughs> with the hat on, ah. I'm like, this is so like Larry Moe and Curly moment. But he slides out from under the car. Yeah. It's like tr- nothing happened. And I'm like, no, dude, you, 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 you're you going to the ER. You got at least a broken shoulder, maybe uh, a ruptured spleen, something. So this, Not- So he tells Mike that something was in. Or he tells, God damn it, I'm doing it again. He tells Jody <laughs> that something was in the garage. Jody is still doing this whole you're stupid kid act. It's enough to make Mikey strap a knife around his ankle and go break into this fucking funeral. Yeah, and it's not even like a knife. It's a dagger. Dude, it it takes up his school. whole calf. It goes from like his ankle to his knee. Yeah. <laughs> like this kid is, we'll talk about this shortly too, but this kid has got weapons out the wazoo. The kid's obviously scared. Well, we missed the whole second earlier when he went to the palm reader and she said, fear is the killer. And then yeah. she tried to tell him, don't be scared. The fear will kill you. Yeah. Okay. What it is, is 
go. What you got? Well, you you brought up a good point because we skipped completely over the the fortune teller palm business. reading. Yeah, and it seems really out of place. I don't really know. Again, maybe this is a part where I was paying half attention or something, but it didn't seem like that really led anywhere. I mean, I, I do think he has a flashback to it later about something she says to him, which could be what you just mentioned. But yeah, it's fear is the killer because when he's there. Obviously, he goes there regularly because the the daughter or the granddaughter answers the door. It's like, "Hey, Michael." Yeah, and she lets him in, and they talk. And but the whole thing is, is he just wanted to ask the palm reader, "Is Jody going to leave?" Yeah, that's what he's scared of. And then that little black box appears magically. Yeah, doesn't come. Just and then he puts his hand in it, and that's what she says. Is when he starts to realize to not be scared, the box stopped moving and it let him go. Yeah. So okay. that's the whole okay. the whole thing in this whole movie is fear. Right. If fear gives other things power over you. Yeah. And now he's like, hell no, I'm going to go to Morningside and I'm going to go kick the window in and I'm going to break into the damn place. Yeah. But so why, what has he seen so far that has made him completely okay with breaking and entering and destruction and destruction of property? I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> literally like it, it did all of a sudden he said, I'm fucking tired of being scared. I'm not letting the fear take over. I'm just going to go straight there. I'm going to handle this on my own. Yeah this does lead to a good scene in the movie because i love the the shot of him walking through the aisle of caskets the open caskets and stuff oh yeah yeah. that's really cool and creepy and then he ends up in in the mausoleum yeah when he's hiding in the uh casket because i mean you obviously know something's up because all the lids are open yeah you got the one that's not which he stuck his lighter in there so it wouldn't close right uh and caretaker walks up and then you see the tall man walk in and then they leave and then, then you go to the part where Mike is walking around the mausoleum area, and then you get the first shot of the flying balls or spheres, whatever I've you seen, want to call them. And I, again, me being the newcomer to this, and, and and what I was reading about it, they call it the Sentinel Sphere. Yeah, it's like a Sentinel Sphere. Or something they don't. Like that. They don't do any explanations of it in this whatsoever. Not, not in this. They talk about them in the sequels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the the way they go with this. The way they go with the sphere in this, it's really just, it seems to be the the instrument of destruction that the tall man controls. I mean, that's the yeah. only thing you can really kind of put together from it is he's controlling it somehow. Yeah, and um, it's, but the thing is flying through the air and you say, oh, look, it's huge. And the way it moves, dude, the camera works really great for 1979. I read that they filmed, the way they did that is they got a baseball pitcher. He would throw the sphere like onto the camera shot. Yeah. And then they would just print it backwards and that's how they got the flying shots. Oh, that's pretty cool. See, I did not know that. I didn't get that in my notes. Josh gold star for you. For I notes. Did. Yep. But that, I mean, and he, the caretaker has Mike, which he looks kind of creepy too. Like he might be undead. His face is very, he looks a little, uh, he looks a little bit like the tall man. Yeah. He's, he's like zombie looking. Yeah. That, but, but obviously not decaying, but, uh, as the sphere is flying toward him, all of a sudden you see the blades, the blades which is like an I- iconic scene that happens in all of them, which is the just blades coming out, which is really enough. Cause you're like, Oh shit. But then it attaches itself to his head, his head. and a damn drill bit comes out of it and starts drilling <laughs> into his forehead. Yeah. And then we get not, not only just that, I mean, we would have the drill bit with the blood pouring. No, <laughs> it's sucking it out of a hole and shooting it across the room. But did you notice everywhere? Mike is watching all of this happen to this guy and yeah. you're watching from his perspective, which is behind the guy. Like he's watching. He's no, he's watching this guy like from a front. 
So yeah. the ball would be spitting blood out the back of it and getting everywhere. But he falls to the ground and you see Mike looking at him and there's no blood anywhere to be found on the floor. Somebody missed that in the edit room. Yeah. <laughs> that was something I noticed right off the bat. I was like, that thing was just spraying a lot of blood and there's no blood on the floor. This is a little bit of a mishap. While there's no blood on the ground, when Mike is watching him, there is some substance coming from him. Oh. Are we meant to believe that he peed himself as he was dying? Because <laughs> that's what I it looked know. like to me. If you go I back didn't... and watch the scene again, he's exuding a liquid, and it's not blood. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, So I, I wrote that down. and um, but Yeah, and then, but then we get another one uh, with the tall man in my... Because it's he's walking through, and then the tall man comes around the corner, and they're looking at each other, and you're like, I mean, as a kid, I'm like, oh, shit, dude, that's the tall man. What is Mike going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and they get up next to each other, and they're walking towards, and then Mike takes, dude, even Angus Grimm runs scary. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would be terrified to look behind me and see this man chasing me. I'm scared of old men that run. <laughs> 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 it's a new phobia old men that run but and he comes through and i mean he's right behind mike and he goes to slam the door to the uh this is another thing i home. caught too is he, he he reaches out yes and yeah, well he reached out but when he shut the door there was no, no hand. hand but then yeah the and then you look oh, it pans left. over and you see his fingers just wiggling about this was cool then, i like yeah, I, I like the way they did this and then i think he takes a knife and cuts his fingers off well, yeah, he's got his knife, and he chops he chops all of his fingers off. Yeah, and then the door shuts, and then the fingers are on the ground. Moving. But the main part, his blood is yellow. Yeah. And yeah, right then and there, you know, I mean, you thought that something was weird. Okay, the man bleeds yellow. Yeah. There's something severely off about this guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> and he, it, but even there's something off with Mike. Because what does he do? He takes, he one picks of them. up a finger, but, but and sticks it in his jacket. You would too. I mean, you've got you've got your brother not believing what you're telling him, so you got to have something for proof. You know, I, I, I can true. understand why he took the finger. I actually wrote it down as wh- where did I write it here? Um, I wrote it down as the okay. I believe you finger. <laughs> because when he hey. show when he shows it to Jody, Jody's like, "Okay, we got to do something about this." Well, that's the thing. Jody comes down the stairs because it, it shoots to Mike's already back home, and he's there with the box, and he's got the shotgun laying on him, and he's like asleep. Yeah. And Jody comes out and he like unloads the shotgun, and then he has to tell him about that's when that's the first time Mike tells him about yeah. the tall man picking up the casket, and then he showed the whole finger to him and he's like yeah we gotta go to that and then we're gonna go to the police I, I got and then he sends mike to go get the finger and he opens the box and we get our first glimpse of the little fly now monster. it looks like a mix between a house fly and a critter from yeah, critters that's exactly what i was gonna say <laughs> now but it's funny because it jumps out of the box and mike said earlier and another of our funny moments it's just crawling on his head and his hair. Like I, w- I will go ahead and say for a $300,000 budget, this movie has a lot of things that it does well and it does right. This was, they should have, they should have cut this. They should have cut this scene out of the movie because it's they so come goofy. Up with something better than a angry fly. Yeah. It, I it, mean, I understand that, you know, well, remember maggots become flies. Yeah. Flies. You know, I don't know. Maybe that was a correlation. 
I don't know what he was thinking. Remember, this is all from the director's dream. Well, I I know so. <laughs> I know that JJ Abrams has a soft spot for this movie. And oh, yeah, he loves it. And the, the the one that I watched was he did a remaster. His company Bad That's Robot what I watched. did a remaster. I watched the remaster. It looks great. It it looks awesome. I mean, for a movie from 79, the re, the, the remastering and everything looks great. The picture looks good. Uh, and they said that he even went in and, and beefed up some of the effects that they did in the movie because they couldn't afford to do it the way they wanted to back then. Yeah. But he, there's nothing he could have done to help this scene. This scene's you, really you, bad. What What did we always say when we were writing music? You can't polish a turd. Yeah. That, At the end of the day, it's still a turd. So, yeah, yeah they just kind of, Abrams just had to go with what he had. You know, the rest and, of the movie is great, but he couldn't go in there and do old school Star Wars stuff and actually insert some yeah. digital effects in there. I think he was trying to keep it as original as he could. And the overacting when they've got it under the jacket and they're just running through down the stairs <laughs> and through the house with it is, I mean, this this is by far the weakest point of, of Phantasm for me. So is it after this where we get the gun speech? The, yeah, because, well, yeah, they got through all that. And remember, they thought they had killed it and... I think it wasn't dead because then Reggie shows up and it gets out loose again. Then they finally kill it in yeah. the gar- garbage disposal. But yeah, this is where we get the the big brother. Now, let me tell you how yeah. adult life is with a gun. So, so you're Mr. Note Taker. How many pages of notes do you have on this movie? Like 17? Oh, probably like 17, 19, 25. Did you, I don't know. Did you write down the dialogue here? Because I unfortunately I, wasn't able to pull it. Yeah, I wrote the majority of it. And here this will give the listeners a gist of it if uh, you haven't seen the movie or if you did and you forgot about this. But don't point a gun at a man unless you intend to shoot. Don't shoot a man unless you plan to to kill. Warning shots are bullshit. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, Jody. <laughs> that is where I lost it. Literally, when this scene happened and he starts to going through that speech, I laughed out loud in the middle of <laughs> the middle of the room. I was, as soon as he said, "Don't ever fire warning shots. Warning shots are bullshit." I was like, <laughs> I just. It struck me as so funny. And that's when Jody takes off. He's going to go to Morningside and take care of things himself. He, he leaves Mike at home. He's like, hey, I'm going to be the big brother. We go up there. And again, like the whole entire time, why does everybody want to keep going back to this creepy cemetery? <laughs> I mean, I understand it's the point of the movie, but it's to stay away from the creepy cemetery by yourself of all things. And uh, he goes inside. He goes through where, because Mike told him that he broke the window. Yeah. So he's, he's telling him how to get back inside there. As Jody's looking around, the angry Jawa attacks yeah. <laughs> from above. It's sitting right behind him the whole, in the shadows just waiting for him. That's, where I, that's the first time I wrote Jawa attack. Dude, that's what I, I wrote. It's a Jawa. But that's what they reminded me of is like evil Jawas. They even they, they dress just like them. Yeah. Now I'm going to move on to this fight with the Jawa. Is yeah. Jody just gave this big speech about if you're going to fire a gun, you're going to do this. Well, all this about like killing people and shooting people. He doesn't say anything about aiming or how to use a gun properly because he turns that gun damn near on himself. He would have shot himself. (laughs) That was another moment when I laughed out loud. I was like, holy shit. He just gave this whole speech on firing a gun and could have killed himself. I thought that was pretty damn funny. Uh, Well, he did shoot him. He gets out and then the hearse starts chasing him down. Yeah. The hearse goes by Jody. Well, then yeah. all of a sudden, the uh, the Cuda pulls up. Right. 
he doesn't know who's in the, because he's like hollering at the car because nobody's getting out of the car. And then he opens door, and it's Mike. It's Mike's Mike, in yep. the Cuda. Okay. Well, they that's when they leave and the hearse chases them down. Okay. They're shooting at the hearse. They realize nobody's driving. They look over. Right. The hearse over. crashes. I remember this. Yeah. Okay. Cause, yeah. Because Jody shoots the engine, you know, because he's the you know best crack shot with a gun ever. You know, he's got awesome gun skills. They get to the car and realize it was one of the dwarves driving the car because a branch had went through it. But this is when you realize what they're kind of doing to how the dwarves come to be because the dwarf has the face of Tommy. Right. This is where this, like, okay, I meant to mention this earlier, but you've got Tall Man who's creepy enough in himself, and there's a mystery there. Then you introduce these little Jawas running around the whole movie, which is another creepy-ass thing that to have in the woods or ducking behind headstones and whatnot. Stones. It's it's another creepy aspect to have. And then you find out, oh, this is the guy that died in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And why is he a little person now? Which we find that out. And we'll get to that, too. But that's when yeah. you start getting this whole, it's like, what is going on in this damn movie I'm watching? It's like, what kind of drugs were they on? And can I please have some? I, I do want to say the 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 music that's playing during the car chase, it's yeah. like this crazy p- piano piece. Yeah. It's bad like it doesn't it doesn't fit that scene at all like i wrote i wrote it down in my notes i was like this piano music during the car scene is not good yeah it doesn't really i mean for all the other creepy music we get through the whole thing other than and when they're in the bar and it sounds like they're just playing some 1970s porn music yeah uh it's like they they went and got debbie does dallas and just do the music in it at the bar scene but yeah that scene is just really it doesn't fit the rest of it no it's just because the rest of it fits where it needs to be but they get the, the 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 dwarf and they get hold of Reggie. They put it in the back of Reggie's ice cream truck to right. keep it on ice. Mm-hmm. They take Mike to, I think it says it's his aunt. Mm-hmm. They own the antique store. Well, while Mike is walking around the antique store, he finds a shelf, uh, like a thing that's open and it's creepy antique store, mm-hmm. especially with what Mike's been dealing with through the most of the movie. He finds these pictures. Well, then he finds a picture and it's the picture of the tall man driving a old horse drawn hearse and then it turns and looks at him yeah well jody goes back home because jody's uh well reggie's driving the truck i guess the the dwarf wakes up and mm-hmm. that's all and then it's a cutaway right then we get another scene like mike's where it's jody at the house and he's like laying in the chair and he kind of drifts off to sleep like and this is when he dead. has his dream sequence yeah he has his dream sequence with the tall man and the freaking arms coming out of the mausoleum yes. door and yeah. grabbing him, and then he wakes up. That's a cool scene too. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's again those those two little dream sequences are actually very well shot. I, I mean, they they work well. It's not it's like they just put it in the movie. It just works good because it basically shows you that not only Mike is, you know, it can only just happen to Mike. It's even happened to his older brother. Yeah, that you know the tall man can get you, but then we find out. Reggie's truck has been wrecked. They check it, and you can see all the yellow blood on the mm-hmm. inside. So I guess the dwarves bleed yellow blood. So that's when you start getting the correlation of the tall man with this dwarves. They, they bleed the same blood. So nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. But uh, <laughs> and while they're sitting there, because uh, that's the reason they see Reggie's truck is because they're because Mike had hollered at them because he saw the picture of the tall man to, for his aunt and all them to take him to Jody. Yeah. They find the truck, 
And as they're sitting there and he sees that the, the dwarf is gone, my cops at a car and he's like, shut the doors. Let's go. And then you see the door starting to rattle. The car is moving around mm-hmm. and she opens the damn door after Mike's telling her not to. And then there are the doors and the yeah. doors pile into the car and they're attacking her. And this is kind of cool is they throw Mike out the back window of the bug. I see. And here I, we are more bugs in horror movies. I, I could, as as I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out if Mike, like got up the nerve to jump out the back window or if they tossed him out the back. Window. I think they threw him out. I, I th- not the, just... not the last back window he'll go out of in this movie, oh, by no. the way, <laughs> a lot, a lot of glass was used in this movie yeah. and asking Josh, I'm pretty sure you ain't going to throw somebody out the back glass of a car, mm, not even a Volkswagen. Nah. So, well, maybe well, we back then, but, but it was, I thought was, it's, it's not funny, but it's funny to me is the little dwarves just take off in the Volkswagen yeah. with the girls. One hops in the driver's seat. But they just take off with the girls. So the girls have been now captured by the tall man and they're driving. And we don't ever see them again, do we? Or to presume? No. Presume no dead? Well, they, we get a, a brief description of what happens later. Uh, because Reggie has something to do with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Okay. Yeah, but that's the thing is the little dwarves drive through town with two blondes in a Volkswagen. You know they're hitting the local Dairy Queen. Everybody's, you know, getting a blizzard, and then we're going to go see the tall man. That's what's really going on. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, then we get another scene with with Jody and Mike at the house, and Jody doesn't want Mike to go again. <laughs> carries him upstairs just grabs and picks yeah, his just, little brother and up puts it okay this really bothered me okay dude you know what i'm gonna me. say yes i know where you're going this, with this man the screwdriver to keep him in the in the this fucking bothers me is that what you thought i was gonna say yeah okay there's another yeah. thing that that bothers me too but oh yeah the, the the screwdriver in the door i was like come on this is this is like what you would see in looney tunes it's like somebody puts something in in somebody's way to keep them from going somewhere and then they yeah. come up and open the door inwards and they that's all the kid had to do was open his door yeah because the door opens inward and he shoved the screwdriver yeah. in this way makes no so sense. if he opens the door to him the screwdriver just falls M- movie logic at work ladies and gentlemen <laughs> now if the door opened outward yeah the screwdriver would wedge itself into the door frame but from so. from earlier with his encounter with the shotgun, he has a shotgun shell in his pocket. Wow. And he's sitting there playing with it on his desk. This like, seems yeah. safe. Yeah, and it was funny. The kid happens to have a tack and a hammer. He would have blown he would have blown his fucking arm off. Yeah. But Is if it? you have not seen this movie, I'm telling you that this was that how is some MacGyver the people shit. Re- Yeah, this is how they, they come up with the show MacGyver was Mike. I swear. Because he grabs a shotgun shell. And don't try this at home if you're because it uh, won't work. It won't work, and you're going to lose a, a body part. Yeah. And he shoves the pin into the primer, yep. you know, right there at the top of the shotgun shell, and gets it. And then he tapes it to the head of the gun because you know it's basically the hammer is the hammer like on a gun. You yeah. Know, it comes forward, it hits, and then shotgun. And he just walks up to the door and he just like leans to the side and bam. Hits the door, but that's funny. It doesn't blow a hole in the door. Well, Did you, it's just you see smoke and the door opens. Yeah, uh, they show an outside perspective where he reaches through and pulls the screwdriver out. So it's it's a really it's a really badly cut scene and, and yeah, badly thought out. 
Yeah, it's like, but yeah, the whole thing, I understand, you know, it's a movie and that's why we're here. We love movies and sometimes we overthink things in movies. Yeah. But, but sometimes they're uh, so, so obvious and so ridiculous that you can't I'm just help yourself. Like, no, again, I'm, I'm calling bullshit. Yeah. I understand it's 1979 and people back then were like, dude, you could probably really do that. But nowadays there's so much stuff on YouTube and you realize you can't do that. You will die. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's some idiot that's already done it. So, but he gets out of the room. He, he gets out and he manages to, to get back yeah. to the graveyard. Well, no, we missed the part. Home. No, no, we missed it. He gets downstairs to leave and the tall man's at his front door. That's right. That's where we get. Boy. Yes. Okay. That's where, because he opens the door and is boy. <laughs> and again, and I've told Josh this, we've talked about it this last week leading up to this. That is just creepy. That Let's see, this tone is... and that, that gravel in his voice, and he does it. That's like one of the things that Angus Grimm is known for for the rest of the Fantasm movies is that yeah. boy. This is where, and a little behind the scenes to the to the show here, is this is where when you've got somebody like Jason who's seen this movie multiple times throughout his childhood and it has a, it resonates with him, and you got somebody like me who is absolutely open to watching it but probably is not going to have that nostalgia. Like, I had to ask Jason a little bit about, you know, some of the stuff that this movie's popular for. And in watching this movie, I would have never guessed that boy became the tagline for the character and the movie and all that. So, like, I that just doesn't seem like a thing that would be like, oh, that's your catchphrase? Like, I don't know. It was very yep. weird to, to hear that that was the popular thing. It's just because I think it's just you can't replicate it. Yeah. Is that thing, and that's what it is. He's always hunting the boy because, I mean, when you get to the sequel, uh, Mike is older, which we find out that they recast Mike. It's not the same Mike, right? But uh, and then, but the original comes back later. But yeah, that's what I mean. Growing up, you saw the trailers mm-hmm. for the sequels, and it always had the boy thing. And if you see somebody at uh, like a horror movie convention, that's if they're dressed up like the tall man, they say that. So, but I mean, like I said, I know it's just one word thing, but I think it's because it was so unique to him. This, his voice and the way he did it, yeah, it was just synonymous with him. It's like the voice of like Freddie saying things or Doug Bradley doing Pinhead. Only that one person could say it and do it, and you knew who it was, right? So that's I think that's what it well, is. Well, I mean, we we've got some actors nowadays that might actually. I mean, uh, I'm you know going off on a different movie and a different tangent here for a second, but like the, the movie it, uh, yeah, I, you know, Bill Skarsgård is amazing as Pennywise. And I still think, um, Tim Curry is great as Pennywise as well, but I can see it, it goes to show you that if you've got somebody that is into the part and willing to, to contribute in a good way, like you yeah. could tell Bill Skarsgård, liked playing the role and and put what he want you know put his own spin on it and it was good it goes to show that it it can be done with the right care for a movie oh yeah definitely can because i mean i totally enjoy i mean you have purists you know only tim curry can play pennywise and you you, there's no arguing with it because tim curry is great all the other movies he's done he's freaking fantabulous with everything he does but bill skarsgård did a great job and maybe there is a guy out there that could do the angus Grimm tall man and that's and that's kind of why i brought this up is because 
when we first started VHS files, we would always, you know, our, our kind of thing at the end is, is this movie worth a rental? And with these older movies is, does it need a remake or does it deserve to be remade or anything like that? And I'll go ahead and get to this now with what I think Phantasm could benefit from a remake nowadays. Maybe. Just to yeah. kind of, I mean, it's one of those kind of like the It miniseries that was great in its time. People probably didn't have the respect for it they should have then. And it's not going to resonate with people now because it's slow. The acting's a little off. The effects are a little bad. And yeah. at the time, yeah, it was great for watching it as a kid. And you got your scares out of that and it stuck with you and you're able to hold on to that. But with someone like me, it's so obvious that the fly demon thing is is a terrible <laughs> a terrible puppet and, and, and you know is 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 creepy as cutting off the fingers and the yellow blood and all that is you can see that it's old makeup and it doesn't look as good as oh, it yeah. would nowadays yeah. um the thing that i think is hinders it from maybe getting a remake nowadays is recasting angus as the tall yes. man um he 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 passed away in i think 2016 yeah i mean you've got a mask you can put on jason and um michael Michael, you've got makeup you can put on freddie same thing with pinhead pinhead was a little more doug bradley because he you could see his face you could see his emotion so and his voice is is part of the gravitas of of pinhead robert england with freddie too because we've already had a remake and- yeah and i mean uh, you've said this before uh jackie earl haley could could absolutely do that part well if he would have had a better script or better makeup or whatever like that's that's yeah, the things the, that hurt that yeah, i'm more all practical makeup better writing i think it would have been a better movie yeah. but when you go to recast movies like this and 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 we've saw that they could do it with it and bill skarsgård when you're casting a character your horror hero per se is someone with a personality that's really where you've got to find the right person to do it exactly you know uh that's i'm not saying jackie earl earl haley was the wrong guy for nightmare on elm street but Maybe they, you know, I can't, I can't blame that movie on him because I'm not a fan of that movie. He does the yeah. best he can with it, but I don't think he had a very good working yeah. a script I mean, to go def- off of or anything like that. Yeah, because I, I mean, me and Josh have a story. Uh, we're watching The Watchmen. Yeah, with Jack Hero Haley, and the scene when he's in the uh, food line, and his character Rorschach throws that on and that that voice when he says i'm not locked up in here with you you're locked in here yeah immediately almost during and after the movie i was me and josh had a conversation it's like that guy could be freddy krueger with that voice yeah and then later it happens but unfortunately bad movie yeah but like you were like you're saying is uh yeah maybe somebody could come along and do Angus Grimm's tall man justice. And it'd be great. And uh, I almost think, you know, you talk about if they did remake it, I think they should bring JJ Abrams in because he's obviously a fan of the movie. I mean, he is a fan of the original. He's the one who made the remaster. And like, like we were talking earlier, he even named his star Wars character after the movie. Yeah. Captain Phasma was named after, after this movie and movie and, and inspired by the, the sphere because it's a chrome sphere. That's yeah, it's, and around. she's all chromed out. So, I mean, he obviously has a love for this movie, and I think maybe he could do it justice if we did a remake. But, but let's catch back up with Mike, and uh, Mike has now been thrown in the back of the hearse, which is what terrified the hell out of me on my bicycle is being thrown in the hearse. Yeah, and and lo and behold, he uh, jumps out another back window. 
Yeah, because remember, he packed, I think that's like a 44, 45 Magnum freaking gun he's got. Yeah. He shoots out the back glass and then shoots through the fender well to shoot the tire out. It's a crack shot, man. Yeah, and I mean, dude, he's great. I mean, Jody taught him well. But I mean, before that, I love the point where he goes up to the window and a tall man laughs at him. Yeah. He's like, you're not going anywhere. Right. No, but he gets out. He jumps out the back. The hearse crashes into the tree and explodes. Okay, tall man's dead, right? Right. It's over. Movie over. Mike just saved today. Wrong. This movie has a couple of endings, and it it should only have one. <laughs> it's but, like a couple of times. Is it over? Yeah. Oh, is it over? No. Because <laughs> there's a, about halfway through the movie is when you get this whole Mike sees something, goes and tells Jody. Jody goes and does something. Then Mike follows Jody. Like it's the same same scenario at the end of the movie uh, quite a few times because uh, i have to, i mean you go back and forth because then we finally get jody is he's already at back at morningside the funeral home yeah and he's checking his parents coffin yeah because he wants to know are they little dwarves walking around and he opens it you i don't think we saw that when he originally opened it but mike finally makes it back there and mike sees the coffin mm-hmm. And he open and it's empty, and I think that's when he knows, like, oh shit, yeah, my mom and dad are freaking dwarves running around this whole thing. But the cool thing I liked about it is Jody said the balls flying around. We get the the perspective of the flying sphere. This just goes to show you how long Jason and I have been friends, and the things we think about when we watch movies. Because I have right here in my notes the sphere. <laughs> the perspective of the sphere is cool as fuck. Yeah, that's what I say. You actually get to see what it sees. It's kind of it's like a predator look. Yeah, it can see. You know, it's got it sees in these different colors as it's flying around, and I guess so it can see people. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. But one gun, sh- one one shotgun shot to it, kilt knocks it out. Yeah, it explodes. Boosh, yeah. Gl- glitter everywhere. But it's I done. almost love that there is no there's no explanation for this thing at all. It's just an instrument of destruction. And that's all you really need to know. It, it, it doesn't have to have this backstory or thing behind it. Like, I think it's just creepy enough yeah. in itself. Now, if they go on to describe it in other movies, then fine. But I like, yeah, I like the amb- ambiguity of it. Yeah. They do go on later to explain to, uh, to it because it has a lot to do with Jody and Mike's connection. Yeah. So some things happen later in the movies. But this is where they're all done. They're all together, Mike and Jody. And then Reggie shows up. And that's where we get the quick uh, thing with Reggie. They were talking about how they, they got, uh, I forgot what her name was, Sarah or something like yeah. that. Uh, and Reggie says, oh, no, I found them. And I showed them the way out along with a bunch of other girls. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember. And Re- that. So we get the quick, you know, like, oh, wow, that's some good writing right there. Reggie saved all the girls. Off screen. <laughs> but that's where we find out, yeah, everybody got saved. But the cult, the thing that you, they're still walking around, and you and you can hear it. It starts to grow. Is this noise yeah. in the background? This that. Well, and they find this room, and then when they open the door, it's like there's the noise. Yeah, and this is where it solidifies that this is not just a horror movie; it's a fucking sci-fi movie. It pretty much is. Yeah, yeah like it, you open the, and, and you get these these drums. That, well, they look like drums. It reminded me of Return of the Living Dead. I was going to say, they look like the drones yeah. from Return of the Living Dead, yeah. And you can see in them, and you can see, and this is how they process the little Jawa munchkin demon thing. Yeah, because it says they're full of dwarves. Yeah. And we see, or Mike, and you see these two pillars, these big chrome pillars. Like, yeah. it's in a, and the room is, it's so white in there, it actually hurts your eyes. Yeah. I mean, like, you're watching on the screen, you're like, oh, my God, it's just too 
clean. I don't right. know what it is, two white. And Mike gets close, but and I don't know if you, you notice it, but the first time he turns around, but his hand sweeps and his hand disappears. Yeah. And, and it, then it he flashes. Realizes, yeah. It flashes back to that point with, that he has with the fortune teller about fear. Yeah. And he sticks his hand in. He doesn't know what he does. He, he can't see. He doesn't know what's there. The, the camera perspective of this is a little weird because you can tell he's just kind of sticking his arm behind something. Yeah. But I, I mean, that doesn't bother me so much. Um, I, so he sticks his, he, he walks through it and you see this. I don't know if you're going to the planet or if you're just, you must, it must be a doorway to that world. Yeah. Because I mean, he, he falls into it and he's there and then his brother re- just, he said, all I did was reach in and pulled you out. Yeah. So, but yeah, you kind of see, but all the empty barrels there and you see the little doors walking off. So there's another dimension or a planet. I we don't really know, I guess. So the tall man is, is taking bodies and turning squishing them, them. And squishing them down into zombie, dwarf, Jawa demons. Yeah, and he said, but and through that, all Mike got this. I don't know how he did, but he found out it's because they have to be short because of the gravity and the heat of well, wherever they're at. But that would mean tall man would have to be small too. Yeah. Well, we come to find out in other sequels, the tall man doesn't like cold either. We found this, this is something that happens later in the sequels because they use that to their advantage. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe when the tall man goes there, he shrinks the little man. But one thing that did strike me as funny is, is we talked about the porch jam session earlier. Yeah. And Reggie pulls out his little tuning fork and hits it when he, at the end of it, that came back into play. Yeah. Cause he got the two pillars there and they're like, like you get that hum yeah. of like a tuning fork. Yep. Like when you hit it, it was, uh, yep. it's the same thing. And the idea of like, you know, a tone generating a portal to another, like I, I like the science or the, the potential behind that. Like, yeah, I like the fact that, you know, but then when he grabs them, it stops the hum and yeah, because it's like a tuning fork. Once you touch it, it stops. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool that you brought that up. It's like they're, they're using frequency Yeah. as, away to another dimension yeah like like uh, using sound waves as a portal yeah. in a sense reggie touches it like the tuning fork that stops and then all hell breaks loose yeah. it's like all of a sudden now the portal is closing and it becomes a black hole it's sucking in the drums it's trying to suck in reggie everybody else and then it's just this is where the movie gets a little weird a little <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it's just I think at this point like this it, it it the movie just really started to feel like a fever dream at this point for me. They get out of the house and then all of a sudden uh the blonde is behind Reggie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's there. So then you're like and then uh, I believe she she stabs him. And so then and Mike and Jody are watching it cuz remember the lights went out and they all got separated. So yeah. Jody and Mike are outside, Reggie gets out of the house and then we the blonde aka tall man uh, he stabs Reggie. They see it, and the house is doing this glowing motion. Yeah, of these it, different colors, and you're like, or not the house, but the Morningside. I guess it's the funeral home, mausoleum area. And so Mike and Jody just leave Reggie. Like, hey, we'll get to it later. We got more important things to do. We'll get back to Reggie, and they drive away. And they and end up like back at the house. The glowing light. The lights all glowing as they're driving away. It's almost like. You know, in old sci-fi movies and even old horror movies, it's like the house about to explode. And yeah, getting sucked into the portal. Was this rock quarry or whatever, or the the mining shaft? 
Was that ever mentioned in the movie before this? I can't remember. I don't think so. I don't think it ever was. It was a pretty quick plan that they put together. Jody says, I'm going to go move the barricades out of the way. I'm going to go get it set up. But I don't ever remember him telling Jody, well, I need you to go find the tall man and bring him to me. Or just Jody, when he left the house, he kind of knew the tall man would come to Mike. Yeah, I think they know he was in pursuit of them. Yeah, So because I know when Mike goes upstairs, he opens the window, and there's the tall man yeah. in his window, and he comes freaking into the window. And uh, he opens up the door, door, and we get the other boy. Yeah. Again, and then it shoots him tra- running away, and then the, uh, the cool quote that I have. Well, if you want to talk quotes, we'll do a bigger quote. You're going to need a bigger quote. So don't worry, Jason. I got the taglines this week. Yay! So I, f- I found two that I thought were really cool. I think there were a couple more, but um, if this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. I kind of like that one. I do. I like that one a lot. But then there's the oh. other one. There was a couple more that had the same theme as this one, but I thought this was the best one. But it says, if you're looking for horror that's got balls, it's found you. <laughs> <laughs> Chrome balls at that. Right. <laughs> so... Balls of steel. Other than boy, any other quotes from this movie that stand out to you? Yeah, the one to me was the one that's right here where we were just talking about the movie. Is uh, Tall Man is pursuing Mike? Yeah, like through through the little wooded area, like a trail, and then you hear him say, "You play a good game, boy," but the game is finished. Yeah, and that's like really some of the most talk you hear out of the tall man through the whole movie other than at the beginning the funeral was about to begin you know this is really the only other line other than boy Mm -hmm. you know that's about it but i love that little line why he's running away yeah and uh but right about that time is when they get down this road and this just comes out of nowhere this whole mining shaft thing yeah yeah because like, mike's running i mean he had actually bumped into the blonde again yeah before that and he knew that it was wrong to get past her and that right before this part is mike's like he gets out of the little wooded area i guess at the trail and he's just standing there looking like oh, i guess because he knew that the tall man and all of a sudden the tall man jumps out of the bushes yeah and he just but when the tall man he doesn't jump at him he just goes at attention and just stares at Mike and right. then Mike takes off running again and he chases him. But you can see Mike, I mean, he's hauling ass. And I actually, when I was a kid, I never paid attention. And even as an adult, you watch the movie, you know, what's going to happen, but you just totally forget about the whole mine shaft thing. Yeah. You just know Mike is running away from the tall man. Mm-hmm. And then in the shot, I mean, I know you probably noticed it too. Mike's running. And then it does the underneath shot of looks like he's jumping over something. Yeah. And you're like, was he jumping over? And then you realize it shoots back to the tall man. Yeah. And he goes through, like, I guess Jody put a blanket over the actual hole. Right. Which happens to be a perfectly rectangle hole. Right. The avalanche that happens after this is so ridiculous. How did they land right into the mine shaft on top of the tall man? Especially, I mean, he falls down there. Not even how did they land. Like, that is another problem with this. But the biggest one is, is like, how the hell did he push these big rocks? Like, there's no way this guy, I mean, as big as he was, it's still like those rocks would not. I mean, those are some big ass rocks, man. Yeah. I mean, that was one was a pretty good size, like boulder. I mean, it yeah. would crush a car. And then everything else fell into it. And you could kind of hear noises coming out of the pit too. Like maybe the the tall man's not dead. Yeah. But maybe he is. You don't know. 
We're like, hey, it's over. It's got a bunch yeah. of them. But then this is where we we've hinted at this through this through this whole episode. Yep. That something is off through the whole movie. I mean, yeah, Jody I mean, and Mike have saved the day, but then the next scene is an alive and perfectly healthy Reggie. Yeah. Talking to Mike in front of the fire, who we saw get killed in front of the in front of the funeral home. Yeah, Reggie's dead, but then all of a sudden Reggie's there and he's talking to Mike, and he says, "But it wasn't a dream." And as an older or old uh, as an adult or uh, older version of being a teenager, you because I watched as a kid and you just cared about the scary part. You didn't care about this part except for the very end that we'll get to, but. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You're you're like, so this whole movie was a dream? <laughs> and you're sitting there thinking, but that's the thing, because you mentioned it earlier, Mike drives the car, he fixes the car, he's hanging out with his brother, because while they're, him and Reggie are sitting there talking, they say Jody died in a car wreck. Yeah. Jody's dead. So was Mike having a dream of getting to drive around in his big brother's car, hanging out with his big brother, him and Reggie and Jody? It would also, it would also, I mean, this is where my debate for this would be is it also explains how Jody is met or uh, Mike is why we've gone this whole hour and a half and I'm still (laughs) confusing these two. Um, How is Mike magically always where Jody is? I mean, I know we're supposed to assume that he's following him, but he's always right. Like he's always where he needs to be. Exactly. So if it was a dream, it's him dreaming this whole thing. I mean, well, basically parts of it are a nightmare. Yeah. But like I said, the part where he gets to drive his brother's car, he can fix the car, you know, because that's stuff that little brothers would do is like, I want to drive, you know, big brothers, badass freaking Barracuda around town, you know, and he is, I mean, he's driving the car all the time. But and, they're also smart in the way they play it too, because there is still the hint there that he could possibly do all of these things. Like his brother yeah. really could have taught him to drive. He's, he he could be really good at working on cars. Yeah. So I like that they leave things very ambiguous, but this whole th- this ending is very just sort of like what? Yeah. And, but that's the thing is that you're making it think that it's it's all a dream. Everybody else is dead. Yeah. It's just him and Reggie because even Reggie says, dude. We need a we need a break. Let's let's hit the road for a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, like they're gonna pack up and get out of town, and it's just Reggie and Mike, and they they like he said, and he Mike just keeps uttering, "It felt so real, it felt so real." But he's saying, "No, Jody's dead," and you can even go back and watch the movie, and like you said, some things where he gets thrown out the back of the windshield, and then it has this little sequence of then him running down the road. That seems very dream, like yeah. if you were having a dream of your because. The part where he gets thrown out of the Volkswagen, the next thing is Mike just running down a long road. Yeah. With the creepy phantasm music playing. And that's very dreamlike. Mm-hmm. And you, even this part where um, Tall Man's walking down the sidewalk in town, that's kind of dreamlike. Yeah. So you're like, maybe the whole damn movie was a dream. Yeah. As an adult, you think that. But Mike's up in his room. It's, a, you know, it's reality as we feel. Yeah. And he's packing a bag. And and, I, and then this is why I hate mirrors on doors. Jump scare. 
I, I mean, as a kid, I hated having a mirror on my door. I didn't want it yeah. <laughs> because you're so scared to shut the door and see something because Mike shuts the door and there's the tall man standing in the mirror. Yep. Boy. Yeah. Because he looks, there's nothing on the wall. And he comes back. <laughs> and he, I don't know if it was tall man or the dwarves all grabbing and pull Mike into the mirror. Yeah. It's a really and, cool, cool shot. The way they yeah. do that too. And the end, the end is it. No good guy saves the day. No heroic thing. And see, I no, think, I think, and, and you can tell me if you had this, but I think as a kid, you're far more freaked out by the end of this movie. Even as an adult, I have come to love ambiguous and dark, uh, not so great endings. Yeah. And even though, your slasher movies like Halloween and, and Friday the 13th and stuff. And with these cliffhanger jump scare endings and stuff like that with Jason jumping out or Freddie coming to get somebody. Um, wow. This one was just seems a lot more dark to me Yeah, because it's like, okay, well did I really just watch all of this or was I watching a dream? Is this guy real? Isn't he real? <laughs> like it, it leaves yeah. a lot open. And I think that's really cool. But yeah, it's the movie ends just kind of on a, a a not feel good note. Yeah, compared to you know the even like Halloween, they kill the boogeyman. He falls out the window. I mean, he does walk away, but still, Laurie survived. Yeah, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Nancy survives. They kill Freddy. You know, it's always been that way. Yeah. But this movie was one of the very first movies I can remember as a kid that did not end well. I yeah. mean, you think Mike is either dead or he got sucked into another dimension right. or something. Right. And you're just like, Whoa. And it, cause it just ends. And you're like, wow. I, it, like you said, as a kid, it makes it scarier because there was no happy ending. There no was no defeating the boogeyman. Yeah. He's still out there. The tall man is still out driving a hearse, chasing Jason through a cemetery <laughs> on his bicycle. And that's why it made it scary. So I just, yeah, but there's phantasm. Yeah. And well, I'm, I'm going to do a very, very quick, almost famous. Almost famous. Yeah, I know that dude. I don't know them. I know her. You, haven't you ever heard of that guy? What, what, that guy who was in that movie that was out last year. I think the only person that you can really nominate for this is Angus Scrim. Well, he went, yeah, because he did, uh, what, uh, all five phantasms, yeah. uh, uh, subspecies, chopping mall, wishmaster. Yep. That's really about it. I mean, do you see anything, anybody else? I went through the entire cast. I couldn't find anybody that was in anything else that really was anything I would have seen. Yeah. There was the, uh, the, oh, Sally was the name of the one blonde girl. She was a knight of the demon and unlawful entry. But I would say Angus Grimm was pretty much about it. Yeah. Uh, there were a few of these uh, characters that went on to be in all of them. Yeah. Like every single one of them. Uh, the character that played Jody was in Phantasm 1, 3 through 5. Uh, the original Mike was in 1, 3 through 5. Reggie was in all of them. But he was also in Wishmaster and Bubba Hotep. So ah. he got in there too. And then... Uh, the caretaker, I would think, was in one and five, and you know it's it's a it's sad in uh, the horror world because uh, I think his name was Kenneth Jones. He actually just passed away like last week. Oh wow! 
the the caretaker i think he said uh, passed away november 6th this year and then we lost angus Grimm back in 2016 and uh i believe he shot i think phantasm five but he never got to see it Uh, because he passed away so but yeah i would say thing with you josh i I agree with you almost famous had to be angus Grimm and rest in peace to uh, both of those guys r.i.p r.i.p but let's uh let's get to our good bad and the ugly the good, the bad, the ugly. Do you want to go first? Well, you, I'll, you, I'll go first because I'm the fan, yeah. and then the you can really tear it apart from there. <laughs> uh, the good for me is this movie was actually scary. If you were a kid and you saw this as a kid, it was one of the first movies I remember actually being scared because as an adult, I actually hunger for a movie that can scare me today. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. And it's, it's kind of, I guess I'm desensitized to the whole horror suspense genre that is really f- hard to find movies scary. But it's nice when I can go back and watch movies like this and remember being actually scared and frightened of a movie when I was a kid. Yeah. So I think the good of this is, is the memory of being scared. Um, the bad, I would say some of the pacing yeah of the movie i mean it's uh, it kind of jumps around a little bit but like you said at the here at the end it may have been because he that's kind of what the director wanted because it was actually supposed to be a dream sequence the whole movie was right and and, i mean we all know when we're dreaming our dreams jump around and it's not consistent and we go from one story to another so uh the ugly yeah the a lot of the practical effects like the the yellow uh blood which very much just looked like canary yellow paint uh, the rubber ham, uh, the uh, the critters, uh, housefly, uh, that stuff uh, till to this this day doesn't hold. I mean, as a kid, I thought it was cool, but even even as I got a little older, before I was even in high school, you realize how cheesy it was. Yeah. So I don't think any of that holds up. But that's yeah, that's about all I can say because I still love the movie. But yeah, it definitely does have flaws. So all right, Josh, lay it on us. So the good for me is, is the graveyard bed scene. Like if I remember anything from this movie, it's going to be that scene. Uh, I think that is the, the perfect way to sum up this movie for anyone who may not have seen it. And it just is one of those that will stick with me forever. It's just a creepy, creepy scene. Everything about it works, especially, you know, the fact that I know that they did this on a really tight budget and they were able to pull a shot like that off. Mm-hmm. really impresses me um yeah. and and just to note is he's actually talking about the one where he's banging the blonde not the other one <laughs> no nah, we know which one you're talking about yeah the scary um, scene with angus Grimm is yeah, that's, and that's, the zombies come out i mean that yeah that's that terrifying is, is great um the bad is that fucking fly bat thing majig or whatever <laughs> mm, bad i'm gonna call it critter fly from yeah. now on it's critter fly it, it's I mean, I laughed at a few things in this movie, but that was just one of those that was like, Oh my God. Like I can't even, I can't even laugh at this. This is bad. Um, Mm -hmm. and my ugly is certain aspects of the score or like that piano score during the car chase is, yeah, I mean, it has a very good score throughout, except for like little spots like that. Like I, I did not like that at all. So that would be my good, the bad and the ugly. Okay. So that's not, not too bad. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 figured, I figured you might've been a little more harsh on it. Cause you didn't see this as a kid growing up. You, you're looking at it more with an adult eye and 
I mean, I think I, this, I think I did my bashing of it throughout of this. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I have problems with certain aspects of it. Certain aspects of it do not work to this day for me, but I can yeah. definitely see a really good movie in here. Uh, it's, it's one that I'll definitely go back and watch again because, and even us, even in us talking about it and, and thinking about it being a dream, see, uh, a dream, you know, the whole movie being a dream, uh, it makes me want to go back and watch it again and be like, and look at it through that filter. You yeah. Know? And, and be like, well, what, 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 what should I be seeing if this was actually taking place in a dream and, and look at it through those eyes. So I, it's, yeah. it, this is, I'll go ahead and jump to this. This is definitely worth a rental in my opinion, um, because it, it has very good aspects and it has some scenes in it that are very, very creepy. So oh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's worth a rental for me. Yeah, definitely a, a rental for me. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I did, but like I said, most times I saw it on TV anyway as a kid, and it was usually edited, so you didn't get to see all the boob shots from the the creepy blonde that ended up being the tall man, yeah, which is kind of disturbing. But uh, yeah, definitely a rental. I recommend this uh, to anybody that likes old horror that may like Josh hasn't actually even seen it. Yeah, I mean, I know you've seen it now, but uh, hasn't really watched it. Go yeah. back and give it another watch. Like Josh said, his second time through, he actually enjoyed it a little more than the first. And just kind of look at it for what it is. It's made in 1979. Yeah. They had a low budget, and they did the best they could. But it's still a good story. And I, I agree with what we said earlier. I definitely think this movie could use a remake with somebody that is passionate about it. And J.J. Uh, yeah, Abrams, I, mean, I know you're listening, J.J. <laughs> Abrams. So just go ahead and say, hey, the VHS files said I should re- uh, redo this movie, and that's why I'm doing it. The last time J.J. Abrams delved into a property that people held dear, people didn't respond to it very well. So I don't know if it'll happen well, again. <laughs> that's true. Well, we're not on the same level as uh, Star Wars as far as Phantasm goes. Right. So. But yeah. So, I, I mean... One thing I will point out since we've been doing the horror section is we have a little um, segment that we do specifically for horror movies that we did not do for Near Dark. <laughs> and I'm going to oh. c- correct that now, but we did not do Top Kills. Top Kills. <laughs> so I would actually like to go back and... and, and say my top kill for near dark (laughs) (laughs) we're going back in time not to be confused with people (laughs) yeah so my my top kill for near dark would have been the the uh the guy behind the bar that he kills with the with the the spurs spurs where he cuts his neck open most multiple times and just bleeds out yeah that would be my top kill for near dark how about did you did you have a, a top kill for near dark Oh, yeah, and we talked about it, actually, and we just didn't do it. Is the shotgun through the door that shoots the cop. Yeah. That is, that's, that's. I mean, we even talked about it as being one of the best scenes in the movie, but that is is definitely my top kill is when he just shoots the cop through the door, but then Bill Paxton takes a beam of sunlight right to the stomach, too. So there's a little twofer there, but, uh, yeah, that's my top kill. That was a fantastic scene. Now, just blowing the cop away. For top kill for this, I could almost... I would probably think you and I would have the same top kill for Phantasm. All right, let's lay it So on do you want to do a three, two, one? Uh, I'm trying to think. Top kill for this. Mm, no. Uh, yeah, see, let's see if we got it. Okay. Go, go on three, two, one, go. 
critter kill. <laughs> uh, were you joking? <laughs> Why? What do you have? The care the, the the caretaker guy with the sphere. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just picking because I thought that's what you were going to be humorous about it. Oh. <laughs> I, I, of course, a freaking ball with a screw to the head and blood shooting everywhere. Yeah. That it's really the only big kill of the whole movie, right? Because I mean, that that gets killed and then the critter kill. I mean, I would go with either one of them. But yeah, well, you've also got head. you've got Tommy at the beginning who gets stabbed. Yeah, but that's kind of well, like I mean, if you really think about it, if this whole movie is a dream, the only person who really died was Jody and his parents. Yeah. Or was in the dream, Tommy was a replacement for Jody being dead in real life. Something to ponder on, listeners. Yeah. You let us know. <laughs> this movie has questions that need to be answered. So Yes. I mean, well, if we all sat down and watched uh, the rest of them, two through five, I think there's five, uh, we would probably have answers to those questions. But yeah. I, I actually got on and tried to find two through the rest of them on streaming services, and you can find all of them except for part two. I don't know if it was done under a specific company that's not releasing it on any digital or whatever but i mean you can uh, you can buy it but you can't stream it anywhere i don't i do know just like with halloween 2 universal picked it up oh okay that might explain that, why because you can't you does, can't get halloween 2 anywhere either yeah you can't get the uh follow-up to john carpenter's at all because halloween was ended up uh universal ended up distributing it because even on like when they have them on tv for the holidays they yeah. skip part two yeah and then they'll have part two on a different channel right. because it's tied to Universal. Yep. So I think that's a lot what this is. is and that's why they recast uh, Mike was because Universal wanted to go with somebody else. Yeah. And the actor who did Mike does not like it. And I can understand why. But they brought him back for three through five. Yeah. So, but, but that's Phantasm. Yay. We got through it. Yay! Yay. That'll do it for this episode of VHS Files Presents the Horror Section. Uh, we do not know what movie we're going to be talking about next. This is kind of a fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants sort of podcast. So That's how me and Josh do it. This we may or may not have another one next week for you guys. It just depends on what our schedule looks like. Uh, if push comes to shove, we may do one with uh, Eric and I, and Jason might have to sit one out. Or yeah, I mean, like I said, you, 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 can, you can expect to see us kind of go in and out on these episodes. So you may get Eric. Sometimes you may get Jenny, you may get me and yeah. you may get all kinds of different stuff. So me and Jason are the primaries on this one, but we're still going to have everybody else on from time to time. So, yeah. and we might even have guests. If, uh, you know, we have some friends out there that will be interested. Let us know. We'll bring you on even on the main show. And when I told uh, our buddy, Nathan from two drinks and the haunting podcast, give them a little love, um, that we were doing this. And when I did near dark, he was like, Oh man, like near dark is one of my favorite vampire. Movies. It might be my favorite vampire movie. So, well, darn. Well, next time, Nathan, we'll, we'll, any vampire movies from now on, we have to consult with Nathan before doing them. Right. <laughs> or anything like that. If we get into the full moon movies and the, the puppet masters and stuff on here, because that's stuff that we would basically yeah. be doing on the, that, we definitely have to bring Nathan in because me and Nathan have had a lot of conversations about I've puppet masters. Never met another person that was such a professional at knowing information about puppet master, but Mr. Nathan Simmons is. 
no, dude, he's great. He is so great. So, but that'll do it for us this week. We will be back with another episode whenever we can get one recorded for you. But until then, be kind, rewind. See you later. Played a good game, boy. The game is finished. It's over. You've been listening to the VHS Files presents the horror section. Please leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. Interact with us on Facebook at VHS Files Podcast, Instagram at VHS.Files, and Twitter at VHS underscore files. Email us at the.vhsfiles at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, little little baby Jason watching the fantasm. Peter Piper, Peter Piper, pick the pepper, pecker, pick a picker, pick a picker.